Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to episode 28 of Double Hop Beat, bi-weekly podcast taking the pulse of the beer and the brewing scene. I'm James, home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. And this week, we are going to continue our series on beer ingredients. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're so excited. Uh, so this week, we'll be discussing malt. What malt. is it? Malt. Didn't we know someone who had a dog named Malt? Or is it Barley. Well, no, we have hops. a friend. We have a friend hops, but <laughs> I, th- I thought so. Oh no, I wanted a dog. Wanted I wanted to the name. I wanted to name dogs. my dog Barley. No, you wanted to get like multiple dogs and name them each after a beer ingredient. And then you're like, "What are we gonna call a dog? Water?" And yeah, I'm that's like, what I hey, said. That's I was like, a what? good idea. <laughs> hey, yeast, get over here. Yeah, that just sounds like yeast or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, James, I'm gonna tell you about some malt. You're gonna, oh, Shane's gonna tell me about malt. Well, I'm gonna, okay, so you can feel free to interject because we all know my skill level is not as high. We all know, we all know. Um, so I'm gonna give you the dirt on the malt, the ah, dirt on the malt. So I just want to preface this and say that I thought that grain and malt was two different things. (laughs) So I did a lot of research for, for this episode and I quickly found out that's they're the same. I literally saw Shannon rummaging through all my brewing books, which is great. I was like, oh, she wants to brew. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to learn about malt. Don't, don't talk to me. That's it. Yeah. So malt is grain. I yeah. I guess I just didn't know. I don't know why I didn't know that. But malt is grain. And it's just grain that has been steeped, germinated, and kilned according to certain procedures. So that was a newsflash to me. Yeah, that is 100% correct. Yeah. Awesome. Gold star. Uh, and when malt is added during the brew process, it creates the sugars that yeast feeds off of to create the alcohol. So last episode, we talked about yeast and how it ferments and flocculates. Yeah, that, and that's how I, I, I was talking about. Again. Yeah, you just want to say flocculation. Flocculationation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so last week, we talked about that. Um, and malt is what provides the sugars for the yeast. And that's why when you see me feast. sparging, I'm trying to get as much of that sugar out of that. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so malt is different than raw grain. So it's it's in the sense of like how it's made or how it's prepared or used. In this corner, raw <laughs> grain. In yeah. that corner, malt. Um, so malt has less moisture, which means it's better for storage and grinding. Yeah. Do some grinding with some malt. Oh, well, this is getting dirty. <laughs> <laughs> getting dirty with malt. Malt also has flavor and aroma, which can be extracted during the brewing process. And uh, out of or the most common grain used for malt is barley. So I guess we couldn't have, well, I guess we could have had a dog named Barley and a dog named Malt. Yeah, I guess you could. Malty, Malty. I know that's probably what I called him. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> I called him, I call Voldemort Moldy Voldy. So I just, just, that is true. But barley is one of the most common grains that is malted. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is barley is very hardy. The barley husk protects the kernel during the malting process. So that's really important. And then by malting, the barley color, flavor, and essential essential nutrients Mm -hmm. from the yeast metabolism are brought out. Yeah. So it really kicks up that brew another notch. (laughs) Um, I said that yeast was the most important ingredient in a beer, but I think now you're malt. second guessing. Well, no, so no. now do you see my hesitation on when you okay. asked that last week? I guess so. They're all essential, but I, I, still, I, I, still, I still think, think yeast that yeast is, is number one. Yeast is feel, number one. Yeah, 
But malt is number two. You're just all about flocculation nation. I That's do why. love the flocculation. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the flocculation. Uh, um, so, but the barley that is used for malting has specifically been bred, for lack of a better term. That's right. Uh, or like developed for the purpose of beer. Yeah, and just like yeast, there's different strains, and it's always being worked on. And the American Malting Barley Association and the Brewing and Malting Barley Research Institute in Canada are constantly working on developing new strains of barley for brewing. Yeah, which I thought was really cool that there's people out there just really intimate with the barley. Well, it's it's one of those things where brewing is a science. Mm-hmm. And I, that I love that now universities all over the world yeah. are now having... Brewing, I think Sacred classes Heart. and courses. Yeah, Sacred Heart just, I think, started one in Connecticut. And I'm like, man, did I miss the boat on that? Like, wow, I'll go back to school and do some brewing. Man. Hindsight is 2020, James. Yeah, I probably would have gotten a lot better <laughs> grades, too. Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, so there are s- six steps to malting barley, which I also found very fascinating. Number one. Number selection. one. Selection. Yeah, it's selection. So barley used for malting is chosen based on the variety, the location it's grown in, um, and the physical and analytical evaluation. I can see Shan just being like, I choose you. <laughs> I'm picturing, oh, what was that show? Pokemon? No. There was, remember that science show when we were kids with the guy dressed like a rat? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? Probably not. I didn't have like cable. Was it on cable? Was it Beaker or something? Beaker from like the pop the Muppets. No, it was something else. But I think people probably know what I'm talking about. People, um, people but he like did like science experiments and like his friend was like dressed like a big rat. You know Pink, what I'm talking about? Pinky in the brain. No, it was a real person, <laughs> like actual people. What? It's probably cable. Someone cable, uh, so. send me a message on Instagram and tell me what that show is because I liked it. But I just picture like the host of that show with like a magnifying glass and like tiny kernels of barley. Anyways, and that's how he's got to pick them out. So they're very specific on what they want. And a lot of brewers only use certain barley malts. Yeah. And it's one of those things where once they find, right, in their recipe, once they find that barley um, variety that they really like Mm -hmm. and they know where it's locally grown and they know those kind of evaluations, they want to use that as much as possible. Because they want to, if someone's getting one beer that tastes a certain way, they don't want to come back the next week or the next batch and have it taste differently because the exactly. ball is different. So so after the selection, um, then the second phase Step is... two, storing, cleaning, and sizing. Yes, very important. So during storage, barley is separated by the crop, year, and variety. So they put them in, like I picture like huge buckets, of just grain. They need some pretty big barley. buckets, I think. Yeah, like huge, like yeah. silos. Uh, so those batches can also be separated by the protein level, sizing, and place of origin. So they get really specific about it. And barley is gone through, and the kernels that are not uniform in size or might be broken or just damaged um, are discarded so they don't get mixed in and kind of contaminate that Yeah, exactly. You don't want any of those um, getting through to the end because it will affect um, those evaluations of the barley. Mm-hmm. And the next step is steeping. So the barley is then going to be soaked in cold, aerated water for about an hour. No, no, forty wow. to sixty hours. Wow, James. yeah. It I'm just, I'm thinking, time. I'm thinking like, okay, <laughs> in like brew. my, yeah, when I brew it, I'm just like, no, wait, that's that's sixty, sixty hours. Yeah. No, it's forty to sixty hours, which is so long. 
that is a long bath. That's a long time to steep in the bath. You're yeah. going to get all pruney. And this, the steeping stage and the, the steeping and the kilning stage are very technical and help develop the barley into the proper malts that you want. So I'm going to give you, um, everyone, the sources for the research at the end of this episode so everyone can check it out if they want to. And um, one of the books goes into very great detail on the exact science and the certain percentages of moisture and all that to get the specific types of malt. So I'm not going to get into all that because otherwise this episode would be 10 hours long. And 10 hours about, asleep. yeah, it'd be 10 hours about steeping. Yeah. And everyone would be asleep. So just <laughs> overall, it, if you are a science background minded person, like it was such an interesting read when I read through them, like that I want to l- learn so much more about like the moisture content of a mm-hmm. barley, like Which you ne- probably never thought you would. No, and it's, to know about. it's crazy on how much work goes into create just one little one piece of your recipe yeah so usually the steeping process uh, it evenly hydrates the kernel and it to about a 45 percent moisture content and that will allow um, growth during the germination period and the process of steeping also cleans the barley and eliminates light kernels so it filters out some of those bad eggs again so the fourth stage is germination germination nation <laughs> so now you got flocculation nation you got germination nation yeah i like flocculation better uh so kernels <laughs> during germination kernels are grown under controlled temperatures and humidity and then once that is done you move on to step five wow what is it james it's got to be let's see steeping covered steeping covered that uh, germination kilning probably yes. Kil- yeah kilning yes. kilning uh, it's when the barley is dried with warm air for a specific amount of time, depending on the type of malt you want to produce. So like I was saying, um, you kind of vary the temperature and the duration to get specific types of malt. And during the kilning process, growth is stopped and it gives the malt its flavor, aroma, and color. So that's where that, all that comes from. And then there's obviously then going to have to be a cleaning uh, step in there. Yeah, so the, the last step is... You got to say it in your voice. Cleaning. And binning. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if you know how to. I just, want, I just wanted, I, I was like trying to think in my back of my mind. Okay, I know cleaning, but what was that other word that we were talking about earlier? Binning. Binning. Yeah. Binning nation. <laughs> no, that doesn't go. No. So before storage, the malt is cleaned. Uh, rootlets and sprouts are removed and usually uh, is put into storage uh, for four to 30 days um, before it is shipped out to the brewers. So it kind of ages is what happens during that process. Um, and the moisture within the kernel is equalized. So it's like a rest. It's taking a little nap before it goes off to do its job. It's taking a long nap. Yeah. Um, so that's the basic process of malting, which I was totally not expecting that to be. Like I said, I thought malt was its own thing. So I didn't know you actually had to get there by doing this whole six-step process. Um, and I was kind of thinking about it's the same like with coffee. I have to roast the coffee beans to get the different flavors and everything like that. So I thought it was really interesting to find out that there are six steps. And everyone can understand why certain beers taste certain ways because there are specialty malts. And a specialty malt is basically any other malt than the standard pale, 
barley malt. So this is how brewers can choose different malts um, that are designed to have specific flavors, color, and aroma, and use them in different styles of beer to really get the um, look and feel that, that they want. So specialty malts can be developed in a kiln using a roaster or other drying methods. And there's actually one where you can use the roaster and the kiln um, and kind of do like a blend of that, which was really cool. Getting really fancy with it. And as with yeast, we talked about in the last episode, as I mentioned, there are many varieties of malt. So what are they? Well, I'm going to tell you. So the first... (laughs) I'm, guess what? You want to learn about it? No. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway, people. I will tell you if you're still here. And I'll, I'll tell you if I've actually used these, okay. um, which we'll see. Okay. okay. So this goes from the lightest to the darkest. So like I was mentioning with the colors that you can get from the um, specific times that you're kilning, um, we're going to start off with the lightest, which is, as you can probably tell, the pills. pills. Because when you look at a pills, Pilsner... I mean, it's pretty light. Uh, So it's the lightest malt available. It is sweet and a little grainy and is used in most beers. So there is a very good chance that you have had a beer that has the Pills malt in it. Actually, probably if you drink beer, it's probably like a 99.999% chance you've had Pills malt in a beer. Yeah, exactly. And there is a color scale that you can Mm -hmm. kind of follow in a lot of the brewing apps. When you're developing a recipe, when you put in how much pounds of each that you're going to Mm -hmm. use, it'll tell you where you'll fall per style on the color. And we will probably delve into that more once we get to our recipe development episode. So that's a little tidbit of upcoming information. It's it's actually based on a standard reference method. Or you'll see, if you're looking in beer recipes, you'll see a a SRM next to um, the different color, color codes. Okay. Cool. little extra fun fact for Thanks, you. James. So the next uh, specialty malt is pale. So it's slightly darker than the pills, and it is um, used in ales, as you can probably guess, pale ales. Uh, and it has kind of like a bready flavor, yeah, which I've I definitely have, found that. have noticed before. And this is one of those things when you are developing a recipe. Like I know when I was first going into the homebrew shops, I was trying the different malts to kind of get see what each flavor, each different one would if I was debating between using two different brands of the same pills malt um, because as we mentioned earlier that based on the location and variety and everything there are going to be differences and it could be a game changer mm-hmm. for how your beer ends up turning out yeah so the next um, two are kind of apropos to what they kind of dev- like produce so the next one is Vienna which is used in amber beers like Box and Oktoberfest. So I thought that was very apropos that um, like that part of the world is where Vienna is. And they make beers that you would get from that part of the world. <laughs> yeah, right. Go figure. <laughs> I wonder if that was a coincidence. And same with, well, I'm probably go- going ahead to whatever your list is. But Munich um, is also going to be twice as dark as your Vienna. But yeah. that's also kind of... The name also like Munich, mm-hmm. like Germany, associated with Germany and how they produced a lot of darker, rich caramel flavor coffee, uh, not coffee, but rich caramel flavor notes of to- toast. Toast and nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's like that amber, amber color. 
Um, so yeah, so that was Vienna and Munich. Those are the two European, I like to call them. Um, and so the next one is kilned caramel. Um, it's developed by roasting malt before it has been kilned. So like I was saying, how you can use different methods and kind of um, blend the two together. So you roast the malt first before it goes into the kiln, which causes sugars to caramelize. So you get that kind of like toffee flavor, um, which I know that I make around, well, mostly around the holidays is the, the toffee bark um, where you make the, the caramel with the butter. So I feel like this um, to me would probably taste very similar. Uh, and to probably one of everyone's, sounds like you'd be your favorite because it's chocolate. <laughs> I don't think that chocolate malt tastes like regular chocolate though, but no, it's, it, it doesn't, but it, it's, you can get a chocolate flavor. You know what it probably tastes like? Well, so it's used for, uh, porters and stouts, but right. it probably tastes like the baker's chocolate, which is like the bitter chocolate. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna have a slight bitterness to it, um, but when you counter that with some of the lighter malts, it's going to kind of balance it out a little bit more. So you're not getting that real bitter, bitter flavor. Mm -hmm. So the next one is black malt and it is almost like espresso, which oh, so good. Um, it has a bitter flavor, not just slightly bitter. It is bitter. But again, you can balance it out with sweeter malts in high gravity recipes. Uh, so you can kind of get a good balance that way. And then lastly, we have the roasted barley. The roasted barley. Yeah. Uh, so it's primarily for stouts, and the roasted flavor is akin to Irish stouts like Guinness. So it's really interesting to see all of the different ways that malts. Um, I know you can, you know, add in things after you've done, like, the, like extracts and, um, you know, fruit and purees and everything, but it's really cool to see how one of the basic ingredients could be so versatile and give you such a different flavor profile. Um depending on what kind of beer you want to get. So the malt that you choose in your brew affects, you know, the color, the aroma, the flavor and everything, which is really awesome. And it's also based on, on the, uh, the style beer that you're going for as well. Yep. But all right, here's a true or false, Shan. You oh God. only here's use, a quiz. you only use one style of malt in your, in your beer. False. Exactly. False. You can actually use I've used a variety of them, like Pilsner, Caramel, Munich, Vienna, all in the same beer. Most times you're going to. It's just going to be how much of your mash or what mm -hmm. percentage of the mash. So every, all your pretty much ingredients that you're putting into uh, the boil and um, going into your brew from the start, um, those ingredients can range from, you know, your your hop, every basically whatever's going into your boil. Okay. It sounds like when you were a kid and you had the soda machines at like McDonald's and you just put every single type of soda in your cup. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like I, when I did, um, one of my beers, I used the pale, pale malt. I used the caramel crystal malt 60. I've used the Munich malt, Vienna, all those in, in one beer. Oh, wow. That is good to know. I did not know that. Um, so one of the things I also found when I was researching for this is something I thought was really interesting and it is the rise of craft malting. So separate from the craft beer, actually making oh, yeah. the beverage, the process of malting and just like kind of the new science and development that's going into that. Um, so the practice of cultivating flavors local to where the barley is grown, um, in the process of that is called terri 
terrier terror i cannot terrier terrier it's like t-e-r-r-o-i-r um and so it actually is a process that is used for a couple of different um industries and produce not just barley um, but it can infect, impact the flavor profiles of the malt. And so it's similar to how like a wine, like the grapes that they use are from certain regions. So like you got Napa Valley, you've got, you know, over in Italy, all those different uh, vineyards and like those grapes are specific to that valley or, you know, section of the country. Um, so those wines taste different depending on which grapes are used from the different regions. So this also applies to coffee. You know, you've got like Colombia coffee and Venezuelan Colombia yeah. coffee, um, tobacco and chocolate. So it's something that's used across the board for a lot of foods. So now they're trying to start um, kind of cultivating certain regions of the country that are going to be specific for barley that is going to be used for malting into craft beer, which I thought was really cool. Um, so it's helping some states that used to produce large quantities of grain make a comeback. So, you know, in the early 1900s, a lot of states, their main agriculture was grain um, in like the Midwest and also in the um, Pacific Northwest. Um, they used to produce like, you know, 450,000 like acres of grain. And now it's kind of down, I think. I was reading it was like 90,000 acres, something like that. So it's really decreased. Yeah, it's impacted those communities a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think Washington State is one of those examples in the U.S. that their amount of barley that they harvest has gone down Yeah, because nobody needed it for anything. The the demand was, you know, low, so they stopped growing as much because then they had a surplus when they were still producing the same amount and it was going bad. So they kind of decreased the amount that was being grown and put out for sale. But now with the boom of craft beer and especially in the Pacific Northwest, that is like craft beer central and, you know, Oregon and Washington state, um, they are kind of seeing the demand rise again. And so the two industries are working together and the brewers are saying, Hey, we're looking for like this type of barley, or we kind of want to like play around with this flavor profile. Um, and then the, you know, people who are currently producing the barley are saying, okay, we have this, this is what we can do for you, but let's also work together to figure out, like what you might like or dislike about this certain, you know, batch and kind of go from there, which was really cool collaboration. Yeah, there's a bit of experimenting that has to go on to really fine tune Mm -hmm. what they want when they're used to getting a certain barley or a certain grain. Yeah, so I I think they're hoping to do is be more like wine where you can be like, okay, I'm going to this valley for like those grapes because that's what I want my wine to taste like. Um, and they're trying to do that and make it so there's specific regions within the United States that are, you know, beer barley. Uh, and so that can create designated barley for growing beer or yeah, growing beer. For growing beer. <laughs> yeah. Imagine know, if you could grow beer. <laughs> a, a, a tree of beers. Yeah. That, oh my God. I Just think you're onto tree. something. Yeah. I should oh my investigate God. that. Um, but I have, before we wrap up for today, I have a fun fact. So fun fact with (laughs) Shannon had to, had to do that folks. Yeah. So the Spokane based Washington grain commission recently committed 2033, no, 233,000. I can never, we are are so bad with numbers. They recently committed $233,500 for equipment to establish a barley malt quality lab at Washington state university. 
So I thought that was really cool because right now there's only, I believe, two other um, barley malt quality labs in the United States. One is up at um, Hartwick University. And I think there's another one in the Midwest, maybe. So this will be now there'll be kind of one on each coast and one in the middle. So I thought that was really interesting that, again, there's places that are looking at barley malt quality. Like, that's really cool. And I think it's going to be really great if we can help some of these industries get back on their feet and, you know, provide some more jobs and income for families, which is awesome. Yeah. So now we've talked about yeast. Yeast. What do you want to say, Shannon? I know you want to say it. I'm not going to say it. I know you want to. Go ahead. It's probably the last time you're going to get to say it for a long time. You'll say it later. You'll say it later. I'll just be watching TV and you'll just turn to me and say, Flocculation Nation. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. Why don't you say it? it. Okay. Well, for those of you who have been listening to this episode and anytime the chan said Flocculation Nation, make sure you take a drink. Uh, Or when you're saying it, you said it a lot too. Yeah, true. All right. So pick Shannon or James, who said it <laughs> more. And uh, yeah, I've been doing it during this episode and yeah, probably pretty drunk by now. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will flocculate you later. But some before we go, <laughs> okay. you just needed that one last one to try and put you over the top, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, so the sources that I used oh, yes. in, in my brewer- home brewery and what uh, Shannon was referring to early in the episode was the Raw Materials and Brew House Operations, Volume 1 of the MBAA Practical Handbook for Specialty Brewer. Yeah, last week we used Volume 2, which was about the yeast. Right, and then we, so. she also used my brewing second edition book by Michael Lewis and Tom Young, and as well as one of my go-to books is The Beer Bible. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I pick that up every day, and that's by Jeff Alworth. Yep. Yeah. So the raw materials one and the brewing book both had the really in-depth here is how you actually set the temperatures and kind of what you need to do in order to get the proper malt. Um, So that one went into very specific um, of all of the processes. And actually, if you want to learn more about the kernels and what they look like and the actual structure, like the endosperm and all that stuff, those that's in those books um the beer bible has more it's more of a general it's a more of a general um knowledge base of just like some quick quick facts quick read uh the other one as you mentioned the the volumes that we've been going through those were actually used textbooks in the Mm -hmm. universities and that's how i found out about those handbooks because i wanted to really get that knowledge yeah yeah the beer bible is has there's a section in the front that explains like the process and all the ingredients and everything like that. But then the rest of the book is mostly going literally style by style and explaining how it gets that way and what the ingredients are and kind of what you expect when you're tasting it. It also has a tasting guide at the end on how you should be tasting beer. So that's a really cool book. If you're looking for a gift for someone or for yourself, I'd recommend the beer Bible. And I think every hotel should have the beer Bible too. So you get your Bible, you get your beer Bible. Bible. And um, you can pick which one you want. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I'm going to say, <laughs> flocculate you later. Oh, you put me over the top. Oh, here we go. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Double Hop Beat Podcast. Follow us on our Instagram for our latest home brewing and craft beer adventures. Direct message us at Double Hop Beat Podcast to share your experiences and become part of the Pulse of Brewing. You can also listen to us on our website, www.doublehotbeatpodcast.com, Spotify, 
Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Cheers by rating and reviewing us. This, this has been, been Double Hot Beat. Beat. Catch, Catch you on, on the brew side. side.